0: friends. Thanks for being here with me at the local table. I'm Carrie Dirksen, the boss behind Feathered Arrow, a wedding planning and design company based in sunny Los Angeles, California. But don't be fooled because I'm also a lifestyle photographer and now your podcast host. I've been building a business for over five years and two things that I've learned more than anything is that community is powerful and that stories truly matter. We all have a story to tell, wisdom to share, and advice to give, and what better way to learn than by sitting around a table with a drink in one hand and community right next to you. So join me on this adventure as I share about life, business insights, advice, and share people's stories of triumphs and failures. So pull up a chair, friend, and grab a drink as we dive into this week's episode of The Local Table. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Local Table Podcast. I'm excited to introduce to you Karan Hawkins of Chronic Fit. Karan is a New York City native living in Pittsburgh, working as an online and in-person coach specializing in biomechanics and nutrition. After completing his BS in information systems at Carnegie Mellon University and working as a cybersecurity analyst for a year, he decided the corporate world wasn't for him. His new journey began after being accepted into the Master's of Science in Health and Physical Activity at the University of Pittsburgh, where he completed his degree in a year. From training people for free online and in-person locally to creating a full-time business internationally, Karan has expanded his coaching reach all around the world and is excited to keep helping people move and feel better one session at a time. I hope you enjoy today's episode with Karan as he talks about the beauty of movement and health and nutrition, and also shares his story about resiliency and how it's helped him in his entrepreneurial journey. Well, hi. Um, Welcome to today's episode of the Local Table Podcast. Um, We have a guest with us today who I just met a little bit ago, Um, but I'd love for you to introduce yourself and share a little bit about your story and who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Carrie, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a real pleasure. I love the platform you have and the mission and drive behind it, giving um, entrepreneurs a platform to share their stories and connect with other like-minded people who are you know taking that leap of faith so to speak because that's really what entrepreneurship is in my eyes it's a leap of faith and it's confidence beyond all means within yourself because when when things are hard it's 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 tough but when you really have that inner belief that continues to sort of Bleed throughout your entire life, whether it be in your, your fitness or your business or your relationships, whatever. When you have true love of self and true confidence in self, you still manage to push through all of the adversities that entrepreneurship will inevitably uh, give you and bring to you. So yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to start with that. So thank you again for having me.
0: I mean, amazing. Um, I feel like right there is a, <laughs> a great way to start it off. <laughs>
1: People
0: <laughs> of confidence.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... I am from New York, uh, Queens, New York, born and raised, but I've been all over in terms of where I lived because I, I, w- I did K through five, no, K, K through eight, excuse me, okay. um, in New York City. And then I left New York for high school and I went to a boarding school called Deerfield Academy up in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. did that for four years. And then I went to Pittsburgh where I am now. Um, but there's a bunch of stuff in between that I'll get to. Um, I went to Carnegie Mellon University for information systems and business. Um, okay. It was a uh, biz administration minor, uh, technically. Um, and I don't do anything of that today. I don't code <laughs> or work with information systems, you know, directly in an um, analyst or uh, I guess you could say um, for cybersecurity or uh, you know, data systems, anything like that. I don't do any of that today um, directly, but indirectly, I work with that stuff every day. I use the skills that I acquired from my degree every day to translate complex concepts into easy to understand and digest words and, you know, stories and videos, etc. cetera, um, with content. I'm a big content guy. And um, basically how I got to where I am today was M- many many decisions that uh some poor some great you know i think along the road we all make bad decisions yeah. that we're not fully informed to make but we make them anyway despite what everyone around us is saying and sometimes that works out well sometimes it doesn't so after i graduated from carnegie mellon i worked in corporate america for a year i was a cybersecurity analyst and i cannot tell you How much I hated that job. (laughs) Just sitting at a desk rotting your life away. No offense to anyone that likes corporate America, but this is just my personal outlook and view on the industry and the overall lifestyle of corporate America. It wasn't something that I could see myself doing for the next 20, 30 years because a lot of my coworkers had been in that lifestyle for 20, 30 years. Some of them are about to retire. Some of them, you know, were very experienced with that lifestyle. There were things like red tape that I didn't like. There was a, there was a, a weird hierarchy system of where if someone was sitting right next to me, I couldn't talk to them if I didn't make a meeting, you oh, know, wow. or if I didn't go through their secretary who was next to me and then the, the, the big boss was like right there across from me, but I couldn't. It, it was just weird. And I didn't like the disconnect. I didn't like the lack of impact that I wasn't seeing with the work I was doing to what was being created by the company. So I just needed to leave. And my passion has always been movement um, for a long time since I was 13, 12 or 13, I started dancing. Um, that's the first form movement that I really got passionate about. And it, it sourced from being bullied. I was bullied a lot from honestly, my entire school career up until junior year of high school mm. um, when I kind of just, in, in part grew a backbone, but also hang, hung with different people. So I started defending myself, but I also started hanging with different crowds that didn't put me in those positions. So dance was an escape for me. It was something that allowed me to find peace internally because there was so much external stress, so much external, uh, hate coming my way. Um, you yeah. know, for the way, for the way I looked, the way I moved, what I couldn't do, what I could do. Um, you know, there was so much, Besides being a man of color, the fact that I danced back then, dance wasn't as popular. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I was around old girls, so everyone called me gay. And, you know, there was that stigma that if you danced at that time as a man, you were gay. You couldn't just be a dancer, you had to, you know, be gay as well. Um, So that messed me up a lot um, because I was being seen as an identity that I didn't even create, it was created for me. So this image of Quran was something that people had and spread around and no one ever came to Quran to get that image uh, or that identity rather. So dance was the first way that I broke out of that system that was being created for me. After that, I found exercise and I started lifting after you know weeks and months of just doing cardio in the gym cause I, I was also overweight. I was five, one, maybe five feet tall and 170, 75 pounds. So, you know, I, I was pretty chubby and I wasn't very athletic. So I didn't make any sports teams except for football where I got knocked on my ass every day. You know, I would <laughs> not go, so much fun. then. <laughs> <laughs> not great fun. No, I would be, I was a lineman because that's really all, all they could give me. I was too slow to do anything else. So they stuck me on the line against some like you know, post-grad recruit who was 200, 220 pounds on the line, and i just get cracked every time. So I think that experience sucked, but it also gave me the experience of resilience and learning how to be resilient in situations where I have no choice.
0: Mm, yeah. Because when,
1: you, when you're on the line and, and you hear that, hut, like, you got to go. Like, what yeah. are you going to do, stand there and get run over? Yeah, so,
0: you got you to get back up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> get trampled, yeah.
1: Exactly. So every time I got knocked down, it, it taught me to get up um, physically and figuratively. So that was the first time I, you know, encountered some form of mental and physical resilience that created that habit of, hey, you know, you're gonna fail and you're gonna get knocked down, but you just gotta keep getting back up. Um, so I started losing weight a little bit, started dancing, uh, my physical activity started going up. My diet was still terrible. I ate awfully. Um, partially, it was emotional eating ish. But part of it was just I didn't have any education around nutrition. So I just ate whatever I wanted thinking, you know, I was fine. I could do whatever I want. Um, Yeah. And I think
0: most of us, you know, we're like, oh, if we're working out hard, we can eat whatever we want. And that's fine. But I'm, which I'm sure you'll, you know, talk about a little bit later, but it's actually the complete opposite of that.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a stigma that if I, you know, go in the gym or I'm at home and I do a, you know, a 30, 35 minute hit workout and I'm like super sweaty and super tired. Oh yeah. I burn easily 600 calories. Right. <laughs> when meanwhile, you probably burn maybe 150, 200, if you're lucky. It's like, mm-hmm. it's very, very, very little. And people are, are convinced that if they just run themselves into the ground every day they'll get results when it in fact it's quite the opposite yeah. rest and recovery is much more important for any type of aesthetic or performance goal that you have because that's when your body repairs that's when it actually creates the change aesthetically internally physiologically that you're looking to you know show in the mirror or you know right. how you move and how you live etc so um, i also believed that for a time i did insanity a lot Oh man! Yeah. Oh gosh!
0: Yeah, I've done that before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the insanity program is—it's is,
0: it's insane.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's—it's it's death. It's—it's it's death. Yeah. And I—I'm I, never doing that—that that ever again. After I started lifting, the first session I did was back and biceps with a friend of mine. He was a really, really good wrestler. Very strong. Very, very, very strong. Explosive, athletic. Uh, and I kid you not, that when I walked out, the first. A session my arms were stuck at 90 degrees <laughs> did so many freaking curls that i my arms were like all right we're just going to stay here for for forever and yeah. i i think it was stuck like that for 3 days in a row so you know i'd be in class with my hands up and they asked me you know <laughs> a question like no i just can't move my arms down yeah so so you know that was my first experience and i started really enjoying it i started doing pushups every day i started doing squats and sit ups and you know all the the typical stuff. And, um, I started, I started seeing myself getting stronger. I started seeing, you know, definition and then I did the insanity program for a summer and I actually gained muscle. Like I, mm. I shredded a ton of fat. I had a six pack. Um, I had, you know, the, the big arms and, you know, I was, I was thin and shredded and all that. So that was when I started to really gain confidence in myself physically. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of mental things I had to tackle later in my 20s that I didn't realize I was going through at that time, but um, the physical confidence was getting there. You know, fast forward some more, uh, Carnegie Mellon, I really started digging deep into dance. I joined a dance crew, it's called Soul Styles, and we performed at every major campus event throughout the whole year. It was amazing. I eventually co-led the crew, and that was one of my first leadership experiences for a very large group. Oh, cool. um, yeah, because at a time we had a lot of people on that crew. And, yeah. you know, so that that was awesome. And, and was this
0: after your corporate job then you had gone, or was this still before?
1: Oh, this is all before. Yeah. Okay.
0: All before. I, okay.
1: Yeah. I'll try and like shorten my story. I talk a lot.
0: <laughs> no, it's all, all good. Just trying to keep it <laughs> linear where, where we're at.
1: Yeah, no Perfect. doubt. So, yeah. So after that, I, I'll just fast forward a bit to post grad. So I graduated Carnegie Mellon, learned a lot, um, learned what I didn't want to do um, after a year of working in corporate America. So I eventually applied to, first I applied to uh, sports medicine at the University of Pittsburgh, got denied in a week. Mm. Yeah. in a, a week they they sent me an email you know sorry we, we can't admit you so i called the dean and i said you know what's wrong like why why didn't i get admitted i'm just curious because i'm really passionate about this stuff and i want to know what i'm missing and she put it simply you don't have the prerequisites you have way mm-hmm. too many prerequisites um classes and you know things that you just wouldn't know and it, it, you, you'd be setting yourself up for failures. Basically, basically what she was saying so i said okay um you know, is there any other program I can do? And she pointed me to the health and physical activity program at Pitt, which is kind of like exercise physiology in a sense. We, had, we had a lot of ex-phys uh, right. intertwined in our, our uh, curriculum. So I said, okay, I applied, wrote an essay, you know, prayed, and I got in. Um, <laughs> That's I got amazing. In. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, was, it was awesome. It was an accelerated program. So I, I quit my job. Uh, and I just went for it. You know, I, I quit, w- went back to Pittsburgh and I'm living with my my roommate, my best friend now. Uh, that was, whew, that was, what's 2020? That was like four years ago, yeah. two years ago. Yeah. You know, I um had a lot of hardships in between. Uh, I was not taught financial literacy. I wasn't taught about stocks and bonds. I wasn't taught about investing. I wasn't really taught about saving that much at no fault of my family or anything like that, like that. It's just mm-hmm. something we didn't really know about that well. Um, it was there, but it, was, it right. wasn't like regular conversations about, hey, you know, think about this, this and that. Think about, you know, investing in the stock market. Think about blah, 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 blah. So a lot of that stuff I had to learn on my own. Um, but during the time, my student mm-hmm. loan money ran out and, you know, I was broke. I had no money. I was working a job that paid me like, I don't know, maybe seven twenty five dollars an hour. So mm-hmm. I was a front desk manager at a gym, and I was using that time to kind of survey the land, if you will, of yeah. my future market and just trying to understand what people cared about, what, what was um, important to them. So after that, I started training for free. And the way I started training for free is, is, is a funny story because... When I first came back to Pittsburgh, I walked into a bar that we all used to go to and a bunch of my friends I hadn't graduated yet. They were, you know, a couple of years behind me. Mm -hmm. Y'all said, bro, you gotta train me, you gotta train me. (laughs) Because I had been posting every single day on social media, like, you know, just got my workout in, this works this, this works that. So, you know, I was was just posting all the time, all the time, all the time. And yeah, people
0: had seen your fitness journey, so they were like, ah, I want that, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the thing was, I was like, I don't have any qualifications. I didn't even have a cert yet. I had nothing. I was like, I'm yeah. not training you. I don't know what I'm doing. I just know, I just know for me. And then they were like, no, 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 no. Come on, train me, train me, train me. And I was like, man, I, I, I don't know. This is, you know, I could get in trouble. I don't have any blah, 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 insurance. And they're like, I don't care. Just let's just try it. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll train you for free and let's see what happens. So I trained four or five people for free for about a month or two. They got great results. And they, bro, I have to pay you. I was like, what? You, you want to pay can, me?
0: I can get paid for this? Yeah. Right,
1: right. That, that, that's literally what I said in my brain. I said, I, you know, people will pay me even though I don't have any certs. So I don't have a, my degree yet. I don't have anything. They'll just pay me. And that was when I first understood the concept of value. When you provide value, people will give you money. You won't have to ask for it. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, okay. So for an hour, I will charge you $15. So I was... I, I was doing $15 sessions for months and I charged, I charged adults $30 a session. And I had tons of clients. I was traveling all over Pittsburgh, running around like a crazy person, running back and forth to my job, taking buses, walking around, you know, the grocery store is like a mile or so from my house. So I was walking to get groceries um, every week or so carrying like, you know, whoever knows how many pounds of groceries Mm -hmm. back and forth. And it, it was madness. And when I started running out of money because I had to pay rent, I had to pay, you know, bills and everything. I started understanding what struggle really meant. Cause I mean, I, I wasn't well off or rich or anything, but like, you know, we were fine. My mom and I got by, but I never had to worry about eating or, you know, lights going off because she always took care of it. They, those things were on her mind and we became, yeah. Very close to being homeless a couple of times, but she never let me see that. She never let right. me bear that stress, and for that right. I can I can never thank her enough. Yeah, um, s- single parent, she 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 did the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was the first time I really had to consider that I wasn't gonna eat tomorrow. Like I oh, didn't wow. have food to eat. I was like, whoa, this is weird. And yeah. I, I was panicking. I was like, I don't. What do I do? What do I do? And this is where I started getting more resourceful because when your back's against the wall and you have nothing, that's when you truly become innovative. That's when you truly mm. seek to create solutions when there's only problems. See, I think a lot, a lot of times nowadays, I can't say for everybody, but you know, from what I see on social media and some people I've interacted with, everyone has problems, but no one has solutions. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just talking about, oh, I got all this shit on my plate. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do about it? You can sit yeah. there and just complain. Like, that's not going to do anything. So- I was sitting there saying, oh, my God, I'm not going to eat. And then I said, well, what am I going to do about it? I can't just, you know, cry about it. I'm not. And I, I very well could have called my mom. I could have called somebody, and I probably could have got some money. But I knew she was struggling, too. There was no point in me doing that because I would just put more stress on her. And she'd already sacrificed so much for me. She didn't go to right. college for me. She, she didn't pursue her, her dreams as an author for me or an artist. Like, she, she dropped everything for me. So I was like, mm-hmm. no, nah, I got I to gotta figure this out. This is the first time that I'm truly on my own, so I'm gonna keep it that way. And I didn't hit her up; I didn't contact her at all. And she's still mad at me to this day for that. But I, was like, <laughs> I was like, "Hey, Ma, I learned so much from from this." So, yeah, here's where I started getting resourceful. I said to myself, "Okay." I started understanding the concept of satiety, meaning hunger, and you know, not being hungry. So I said, "All right." I drink a lot of coffee. All right, so coffee suppresses my hunger. So if I drink coffee from this hour to this hour, I'll be fine. Drink another one. I won't be able to, I won't have to eat. Then I can have one big meal when I get home. And that big meal um, usually consisted of protein pancakes. And I said, okay, I have about $40, $50 that I get to spend on food every two weeks. Okay, great. So what yeah. I would do is I, I got these big bags of protein and I got this big giant bag of pancakes from Costco because um, my roommate had a Costco card. So when we mm-hmm. went to Costco, I would get that. And that's all I could really afford. And I would have protein pancakes every single day. Like that, that's all I ate for like three, four months. Yeah. It was, it was disgusting. I don't, I, I didn't <laughs> like pancakes after that.
0: You have like a food aversion to pancakes now. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it would just be rice, you know, whatever I could do to get by. So that that really taught me humility because it 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 said hey like you don't have all this money you don't have all these resources all these all this access yeah. you think you do you can't right. live that way anymore because in corporate I was I was making good money I was financially right. independent yeah. for the first time in my life mm-hmm. so you know again this is a second indi- or a second tale of hey you're gonna get knocked down, but you gotta keep getting back up. Mm-hmm. This is this is real life resilience that they don't teach you in school, they don't teach you at home, they don't teach you, you know, you have to go out and get that. Yeah. So while you know, some at one point starving sucked, it really made me smarter and it made me more aware of what the real world is like.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, and then did you raise your prices after that? you were like, "I'm charging way too little <laughs> for these sessions
1: yeah yeah i um I ended up charging um i think it went i did thirty dollars for students and then I did forty five and um I mean now I charge one hundred and twenty per session yeah. mm-hmm. because i'm I'm much more specialized and I, right. I do things a lot differently but with the online stuff, I've I've bumped it down to um, sixty five for most people, okay. um, and then I have an online site that I do for monthly payments and all that. But um, in general, yes, I, I raise my prices dramatically simply because I, I realize my value. I recognize my value. I know my experience. I've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into the knowledge that I have and into yeah. the skills that I've acquired. So you know, one hundred twenty bucks, I think that's that's very fair. For for what I offer and what I do.
0: Yeah, you're an like, expert in this. Yeah, for sure. So you, um, I mean, were you? Was there like a point for you when you were at your corporate job? You know, kind of realizing like this isn't how you wanted your life. And I totally relate to that because I worked in corporate before starting my own business. And I was just like, I feel like my soul is being sucked <laughs> out. You know, sitting in yeah. this hole. But do you feel like there was a point where you were like, I want to start my own business. I want to get into entrepreneurship from that point. Or were you just like, I know I need something different, but I don't know exactly what that is.
1: That's a great question. Cause I'm not sure which way I was leaning yeah. at the time. I think in my brain, I knew that I wasn't destined. I wasn't created to do this, to mm-hmm. sit here. I wasn't, I wasn't made to be static. And you know this gets into some physiology because as human beings we're not designed to be static; our brains crave movement in all aspects of, of of it. If you think of us just speaking here, my vocal cords are doing things, and air is coming out to produce a vernacular and a language that we each comprehend. so that movement of sound and that movement of my vocal cords creates a communication channel in which you and I know what each other are saying. obviously there's idioms and different. You know um, vernaculars that are inside the English language, but through movement, we are communicating with my hands and moving in my face and my eyes and my lips. Like there's a lot of intricacies that movement is involved in. So for us to sit at a desk, quiet, and just do this all day—my
0: gosh, yeah—it's
1: death. Like we're it's it's slowly killing us. Not from like a sitting as a new smoking, but your body does not have to work. As hard it doesn't have to do as much because you are not demanding as much mm-hmm. you know way back for thousands of years um there's obviously different breeds of of humans there there were um in the neolithic area era excuse me there were different uh classes of you know i want to call i want to say bipedal organisms that were yeah. walking around like we do today um and they they hunted they ran they they scavenged, they, they did all these things that required movement. The only time they probably didn't move was uh, during sleep and reproduction and you know caring for children, et cetera. It was very, very mobile life. Mm-hmm. But now we are very immobile. We don't move.
0: Very and, sedentary lifestyles, yeah. Yeah,
1: and, and the sedentary lifestyle is not bad just from a cardiorespiratory perspective, but also from a biomechanical and uh, just energy or sorry, force production perspective. And, and let, let, me, let me get into that a little bit. So cardiorespiratory, meaning how blood is pumped through the body, how oxygen is exchanged with carbon dioxide and how that system interconnects with the heart and the lungs. Weak. Most people can't breathe correctly because they don't have to. Most people don't know how to actually access the back of their body to house their breath we're not meant to breathe in Mm -hmm. our bellies and in our chest Just think about it from an evolutionary perspective if we breathe with our chest open all our organs are exposed you know what i mean like we we are we are open for death we're open we're vulnerable Mm -hmm. is what i'm Mm -hmm. trying to say so we need to learn how to breathe back here Because if you look at the anatomy of the rib cage and where the lungs are, the lungs are very high in the back of your body. They're very high. And everyone is stuck with their shoulders back and their neck forward, and there's a ton of compression um, in the posterior chain or the back of the body. So we need to learn how to open that to allow the lungs to expand posteriorly or to the back of the body to prevent that rib flare that we see everybody having. And the reason why that's so important is because. Rib flare creates compression. So, if you look at the anatomy again of the rib cage, the end of the rib cage is the start of the lumbar spine, lower, lower back, as we all like to say. And everyone has low back pain. Everybody has fucking low back pain. Um,
0: yep. I have low back pain. <laughs> Been working <laughs> knees, <there> for years.
1: <laughs> knee pain, low back pain, neck pain. You know, there's all types of tightness and dysfunctions that people have. And, you know, all over Instagram, there are these. You know, here's how to get rid of your low back pain. Here's five exercises to get rid of your lower back pain. Do they really work? Maybe for like a a day, yeah. maybe for like an hour, but mm-hmm. then it's right back there. If something really worked, you would have to use it again.
0: Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's sure.
1: it's the fitness industry, in my opinion, is creating a a dependency. Mm. It is creating a an area in which people need to constantly refer to the same person to fix these tiny little pieces when no one's looking at the big picture.
0: Right. So
1: so the way I, I approach fitness is looking at the full picture. So this is a system called flowability, which I've been learning and deep diving in for the last 10 months or so. And it is a system that I'm fully behind because it creates actual change. So everyone wants, muscular hypertrophy. They want big, big arms. They want big chest. They want sh- shredded abs, big quads, big butt, all these things. Mm-hmm. However, they're not considering the impact um, of the hypertrophy training, you know, that impact on the spine. How mm-hmm. does that impact the spine? So uh, if you ever have been to the gym and you've seen someone do a bench press, or you've seen someone do a squat, you've seen someone do anything that involves point A to point B, um, a flex and extend or, or, or a, a curl. Where there's a shortening, or sorry, there's a lengthening of the muscle. Think of a bicep curl. You open your arm; the bicep is lengthened, and when you shorten the arm and close it, it shortens. Right, right. Length, Lengthen, length, shorten. There is just inefficiencies everywhere, and what I mean by that is you're putting too much in one space and not distributing that load amongst many joints, many muscles, and many parts of the body. So flexibility looks to optimize the body by balancing force production with stress on the joints so essentially as i said before there's some things that are doing too much and some things that are doing too little right we're trying to balance that out so that you're not putting all of your work in one area and that one area tends to be the low back Mm -hmm. if you look at how people move they're moving from their low back they're squatting with their low back they're they're pressing with their low back when people have rib flare they're extending through their low back because that rib cage sits like this. You guys can't see this, I don't know if you do video. The rib cage sits sits here, and like I said, the low back is right under the rib cage. So whenever your rib flares, your low back follows and it compresses, Hmm. It, it goes like this. And if you look at people on Instagram, when they're deadlifting, when they're squatting, anything, you're gonna see their backs are probably flat. So if you Google spine, I don't have to really, you know, go too much into the science. If you Google spine, it's not flat. It looks like this, like it's curved.
0: Right.
1: So if I'm lifting and my back is flat, there's something wrong there. Mm-hmm. And that wrong is there's a flexion or a rounding very low in the spine. So what I mean by that is when someone's squatting and their butt goes like this, that butt wink we've, we've seen in mm-hmm. um, and, and many places or even if it's very minimal or even if it doesn't move at all if their butt is angled downward they are their flexion or the angle at which torque is being applied in their system is huge in their low back so um what i mean by that is when the rotation point so if you think in in a squat you want to flex and extend from the hips
0: right you want to move at
1: the hips but everyone's flexing and extending at the spine at the low back so think about your bicep curling, your low back, over mm-hmm. and over and over and over and over right. and over again. Yeah. Not only not only does your your central nervous system, which is basically um, the let's call it the, I don't really like to call brains computers because they're much more <laughs> complex than <laughs> that. But, than the, yeah. Yeah. But uh, let's just say it is the operator mm-hmm. that controls what muscles contract, what muscles do this, what what moves, what lengthens, what shortens, et cetera. Yeah. Your central nervous system adapts to you using your low back for everything. So, from a neurological standpoint, your central nervous system is excited to use your low back because you use it for everything. Mm -hmm. And then, on top of that, there is a musculature hypertrophy in your low back that further exacerbates the dependency on the low back. Because if you bend someone over and just have them touch their toes, they low back erectors, which are muscles that run up and down the spine, from the back of the neck, all the way down to your tailbone. Um, maybe not that far, but it's pretty far. They pop. Yeah. In that mid-back, low low back area. If you bend someone over, you're going to see those rods, boom. They're just going to. Right. But what should happen is we should see the hips, the butt come up because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what should be moving. Right. Right. Um, you know, I know that, that, that was a deep dive into. Football. No, I
0: love it. I feel like I'm <laughs> learning so much. <laughs> so is that something you're, so you, you know, have this business, so you're working, you said with people in person and you offer online as well, tra- training, training. Mm-hmm. Um, so is this something you were kind of saying you're really teaching of people like how to move properly and, and really exercise properly and not to like, I guess, you know, We see all of this of like getting so many reps in and, you know, just like you said, going hard, but really I feel like we also hear, you know, like if you're not doing it properly, it doesn't matter how many reps you're getting in because you're not getting the same results or, you know, you're not getting the true work of what you're really trying to do.
1: No doubt. No doubt. Um, And to, you know, elaborate on that a little bit, people think they're doing things, but they're not. Right. People think they're squatting with their hips, but they're not. People think they're deadlifting with their hips, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to describe what it feels like to use your hips because you need. there's a lot of things that have to be in line for that to happen. But the first thing that we work on is just breathing, like I said before. Hmm. everyone's stuck like this and their necks are forward and, and you know uh, it like,
0: makes me want to like sit up properly
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you know it, it, it's it's lifestyle it's it's no one's fault we weren't taught about these things I wasn't taught about it and you know once I started learning and feeling and just like I just feel long and I and I, and I feel I feel stable I, I feel in control of my body you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, I, I don't have back pain anymore. I don't, yeah. I don't worry about that anymore. When I sit down, when I stand up, I'm, I'm loose. Like I could, I could go sprint and run. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's So anyway, let me go back. So breath, that's the yeah. first thing we work on. Learning how to breathe. Because if you lay someone on their back and ask them to take a big inhale, the first thing that's going to move are their ribs. And when they mm-hmm. blow out, not much is going to come out. But when they exhale, 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 everything out, they're going to feel... Your core working. Actually, this would be interesting. I've never tried this before. I'll uh, back away from, from your mic a little bit just so okay. you, I want you to take a, a big inhale actually into your stomach, so through your nose, and I want you to blow as hard as you can. <sighs> keep blowing, keep blowing, keep blowing, keep blowing until there's nothing left.:
0: That was very short. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do it one more time, do it one more time. So, and when you blow, I want you to act like you're blowing through a straw. It should sound like you're putting air in a tire, like, pfft, pfft. yep, keep going, keep going, keep going. Even when you're empty, keep blowing. At the end of that, you're going to start to feel your core light up. Can you feel that?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that concept of blowing to fill your core, no one does that. And the yeah. problem with not doing it that way, people brace and they say, okay, tighten your core, engage your core, but a tight muscle is not a muscle that can be moved, yeah, so just when relax. You-
0: and I feel like everyone needs to pause and like do that, like take a couple <laughs> minutes and just do some deep breathing exercises yeah. yeah
1: just 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 give it a shot and when you if you keep blowing like like carrie did you you'll feel your core light up, and the problem is when people brace they're not moving what they think they're moving, um, mm-hmm. they think they're creating stability at their middle, but they're using their their spine to do it. What I mean by that is they're getting smaller so they're they're like they're they're rounding at right. the lower back and if you're rounding like that your the muscles on your back they they can't move so mm. remember remember how i talked about earlier we need space back there to breathe yeah. well yeah. if your lats are rock hard because you're engaging them that way they're not going to be able to be breathed into mm. so the lungs are gonna they, they can't go anywhere yeah. so you're gonna go that way yeah to your front and your front gets soft so that that's why we, we, we don't want to do that and the blowing is going to create the stability people want while keeping the spine on vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, the muscle we're targeting with that muscles, I should say, are the diaphragm and what's called the transverse abdominis. Now the transverse abdominis is a muscle that runs from the bottom of your sternum, which is the the big chest plate between your, mm-hmm. your rib cage. And it runs from there all the way down to your pubis. So like, Right above your uh, pubic area, yeah. and it wraps around the sides and the back of your spine, like into like right around here. So, like if you think about where the rib cage is, kind of like below that. Okay. Um, and when you exhale, that thing you felt was your TVA, transverse abdominis, going like this, coming in.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: when we really get strong, we can feel that really low,
0: what yeah. we call
1: the horseshoe, which is the like that pubic area, because we want all that to come in. Because yeah. that's going to serve as a blocker or a think of it as like a, like a gate to prevent lower back from hyperextending. Mm-hmm. So every time you, 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 you move and do things, people tend to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they, they, their ribs come out. But when you blow that way, it's preventing that. Wow, I
0: feel like, man, I'm just learning so much about how our bodies <laughs> work, and <laughs> yeah, this is really fascinating. So, I mean, when you like, you were kind of going back to when you were talking about, you know, just being resilient and and finding, you know, not being able to eat, but kind of having your back up against the wall and really finding ways to you know, move forward and and get yourself food and being able to pay your rent and all of those things. Was that sort of like the start of your business you were saying? And so how, like, how long have you now been doing this? And what for you is like the the core piece of why, like you want to serve your clients and you know, what really keeps you motivated on a daily basis?
1: Yeah, that was the start of my business. It was working for free for, for a while and um, not making much and I think that's an important part of entrepreneurship—not necessarily saying, "Hey, I'll do it for free," but being willing to, like, being yeah. willing to do whatever you have to do just to get some skin in the game, just to get some experience. Um, you know, yeah,
0: because hands-on experience, I think, is you know everything. Like, we—I don't feel like we do a good job at, um, in our education system of really giving people that hands-on experience. I know more now so with like internships and things like that, but it's like you really you can, you know, sit in a book, take tests all day long, but until you have that like real life experience, you're not you're not going to grow, you're not going to challenge yourself and really be in the depths of of what it is to do what you're doing.
1: 100%, you, you yeah. got to have that hands-on experience. And you know, even though I, I wasn't perfect, I made a lot of mistakes, but it taught me a lot about human interaction and how to cue people, how to get people in proper positions, how to motivate people, how to help people create their own goals. Cause a lot of the times I ask, you know, what do you want? And they're like, I don't know, I don't, uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just here. Cause I gotta be, and I'm like, well, damn, this is gonna be hard. Cause it's, it's harder to motivate someone who doesn't know why they're doing what they're doing as opposed mm-hmm. to someone who's like, oh yeah, you know, I really want to create a healthy lifestyle, blah, blah, blah. blah. And sorry, what was the second part of your question?
0: I I think my question was just, you know, what keeps you motivated day in Uh, and day out of, you know, running this business and, you know, wanting to continue serving clients and and finding new customers?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it used to be passion, but now it's purpose. Hmm. So the thing I just explained to you, I see now as black and white. I see now as this is the way, like there's, there's no other way. And that's, it is dogmatic in a sense, because I know that people need what I'm, what I'm giving um, before they can do all the things they want to do. So um, I've made some pretty crazy transformations with my body without lifting a single weight. And it looks like I've been lifting weights, but Mm -hmm. I haven't touched one in seven months. And that, I would say that perception switch, that paradigm shift is tough to communicate to people without them really feeling it. And it takes a lot of patience, but what motivates me is the fact that I know what I'm giving is so important and we want to change the world. We have a team, uh, three of us right now. We want to be going around the world, offering this to communities that can't afford a big box gym because literally with this program, you can dramatically change your body without a single weight. Yeah. All you need is a chair. Oh, Everybody wow. got chairs. Yeah. so. Um, just teaching people how to be masters of their own physiology, in a sense, and their own nervous system, in a sense, is mm-hmm. what motivates me because I know this shit's gonna change the world.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that you said it was passion and now it's purpose, like that. I just like want to sit with that for a minute because that's so <laughs> so profound. Because like for you, I mean, just talking to you, it sounds like you just really want to like change people's lives and you know this this purpose of and I think that's the core too of being an entrepreneur like really believing in what you're doing and not just trying to sell it to make money but like you believe in your core like this is going to change people's lives for the better and really help them to live a more fulfilled life and, and find their purpose as well so what would you say I know you know a lot of entrepreneurs we tend to, and I can vouch for this over the years, have let fitness kind of fall to the wayside. Cause you, you know, you work long hours for yourself and you know, you say, oh, I'm going to work out later. And then it never happens. And, um, I know for years it was kind of like, I'll get around to it. And it wasn't as consistent as I was hoping, even though it was something I really wanted to do, but what are some like easy, tangible steps or ways that you could, share with people that they can maybe shift their mindset or their thinking around fitness. Because you know, I think a lot of times when we think about fitness, we're like, oh, I have to go to the gym and work so hard for, you know, an hour or more and do all of these things. But I, I think from just hearing you talk and other things, it's like there are smaller incremental changes you can also make and you don't have to like, you know, come home from the gym exhausted for an hour. So yeah, what, what are some things that you can share with people to just kind of shift their mindset or make this more of a priority in their life?
1: I would have people consider this. So in order to master the externally, you must first master the internal. So in order to get the results you want, whether it be more money, you know, a better job, um, better relationship, uh, better mindset, you know, and how that applies to all those things I said prior, you have to first work internally you have to master yourself in many ways, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, you know, with others, how you interact with other people, and just honestly staying on top of your shit. And there's there is no other way to put it. And the first way is through movement. As I said before, we are meant to move as human beings. And I also said, you don't have to, you know, Wreck yourself yeah. every time you go to the gym. <laughs> um, I'm actually I'm going to give you um, a free mini series that we have going around. Okay. Um, for people who are interested in trying the system and just want to give it a shot, you don't need any equipment. You can yeah. do it at home. So I, I know some gyms are still closed and some are going to remain that way. So this is a great way for you to just try it and just you know get busy with the system and do your own thing and it can be a great start. But besides that, um, systems. Systems are the best way to create habits that will stick. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll, um, I'll tell you what I do for my system. So every morning I wake up, not always, I would say eight times out of 10, uh, I, 8.5. Yeah. <laughs> 8.5 times out of 10, I'm waking up at 5.30 in the morning and I train for about an hour and a half, two hours. And that's just the flubility stuff I told you. And then I make, have my coffee, I read, I journal, track my macros, and then at the end of that, I have my habit tracking system, which are over there by my fridge. I do basically marbles in a jar. So I, I learned this mm-hmm. this technique from Atomic Habits by James Clear. Highly recommend that book if you're trying to create systems for change and you know create really really great habits in your life. Yeah. Um, and so what I do is every time I complete a habit that I, I'm you know trying to make stick forever, I put a marble in a jar, and it's this little reward response in the brain, like ooh marble in the jar. So yeah. every time you want to do something or every time you want to like wake up you're like oh I got to put that marble in that jar so I got to make sure I do all the stuff and besides that time blocking so mm-hmm. yeah. um
0: time blocking i think is huge. <laughs>
1: yeah i think scheduling and time blocking are a little different because time blocking is creating <laughs> a schedule for everything <laughs> i have a schedule for everything i have a schedule for when i wake up when I have my coffee, when I do morning routine, when I journal, when I eat, when I do podcasts, when I train people, when I train myself, you know, uh, when I use the bathroom, I started to use the bathroom, when I take a shower, (laughs) I I don't think I can program that. I was
0: like, you are, you are on schedule.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Everything is programmed. Um, um, There's there's one more thing. Oh, when I play video games or do extra Mm -hmm. activities, things I love to do for myself because as an entrepreneur, you can feel very guilty with, Doing things for yourself that you enjoy, like right. if you play video games, or if you want to throw a football around, or if you want to go for a walk, or if you want to hang out with some friends, or go to a bar. I mean, not nowadays, but you yeah, get it
0: someday. Someday,
1: <laughs> someday, man, yeah. I, I, I miss that life. <laughs> but yeah, so my point is everything is blocked out, so there's no guesswork. Because as an entrepreneur, your your job, your, your constant thing about how can I make my product as good as possible? How can I, you know, make this as high quality and you know, su- uh, supply the demand for my product or create the demand for my product? Create content, whatever it may be. You don't want to be sitting there guessing what you're gonna do. Right. So when you lay everything out, including when you're gonna train. It's just
0: execute. It happens. Execute, execute yeah. Every yeah. day. That's huge. Yeah, I've definitely I've been implementing a lot of time blocking and I've always used a schedule and, but like time blocking I think is so key because I think what people also don't realize about that is like, you have to really just like shut off all distractions and it's like, I'm going to spend 45 minutes solely working on this one project. Like you're not multitasking, you're monotasking. Right. And just, it's crazy how much more you can get done when you're like, I'm going to commit to no distractions and really focus on this one task at hand. And you just get so much more done in a day.
1: Yep. For sure. People think they can multitask, but they really can't.
0: You can't. We can't. No. Yeah. We, um, I was talking to someone about that the other day and she's like, you know, we can multitask, maybe like listening to a podcast and washing the dishes. But when it comes to like true deep work as humans, like we cannot multitask. We're actually spending more time trying to do everything at once than we would just trying to focus on one task at hand. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, that reminds me, uh, another book that I recommend people read. I don't remember the author's name, but it's called Deep Work.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think that was the book we were talking about the other day. I forget the author, but yeah.
1: Something Campbell, I think.
0: Okay, yeah. I'll look it up and put it in show notes for people, for sure. So what for you, kind of bringing things, wrapping things up, but what for you would you say is like one of the biggest – entrepreneurial lessons that you've learned throughout this journey? Cause how many years has it been since you started your business? Did you say?
1: Officially three years, okay. unofficially okay. four years.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. What for you is one thing that always just like really sticks with you, like a lesson that, you know, maybe you realized this year or, you know, and something that you would love to kind of share with others to really help them in their journey as well.
1: It's something that I've formulated in my brain, but I couldn't put to words for a while. I couldn't conceptualize it into like text. If I had to write an essay on it, I, I don't I didn't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a feeling. But it came down to one sentence. The process is the prize. So
0: mm-hmm. a lot of
1: the times people say eyes on the prize, eyes on the prize. But I feel if you keep your eyes on the prize, you miss the journey because the journey is the prize, and just trying to be a little bit better. 1% better every day is the way we truly make big impact because people, and I think social media is is a big component of this. People just want the big now. They want the results. Now they want everything. Now it's the instant gratification that is creating a lack of trial and failure. People just want to try and get it. They don't want to fail. And you know, I'm, I'm in there too. Um, I I just started doing um, MMA and I started sparring a little bit and, you know, I, part of me was like, man, this, this is so hard. I, I kind of want to do this. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. This is, this is where we learn. Like yeah, the, the failure is the way to learn because mm-hmm. you don't know what success feels like if you don't fail. And, yeah. and beyond that you're not going to learn because see people see failure and they're just like, ah, thinking, I'm done. Like I failed. Uh, I can't do it. But the failure is, is the lesson that creates success down the line. When, you know, let's say you're trying to accomplish this crazy big goal and you fail a hundred times, that one time you succeed, you're not going to give a shit about all the hundred times you failed. In right. fact, you're going to feel better because you said, I didn't quit and I kept going and I got the success. And it's, it's very abstract. And I hear it all the time on Instagram, what I'm saying. And it's so hard to just be like, oh yeah, you know, it's easy to say when you did it, but you just got to freaking do it. You know, that there's, that, that's, that's the crazy thing. It's, it's so simple, but it's not easy.
0: Right. Yeah. You and, know what I mean? And I think that makes – I mean, I don't know anybody who's, you know, very successful today that hasn't failed at one endeavor or, you know, tried for years and years. And I think if they hadn't failed and they were just good right from the beginning, we wouldn't like that person, you know? We wouldn't feel like we could relate to that person. Right, right. We all fail. And so it's like – if you can see other people who have failed, but they kept going and then became successful, to me, it's like we can relate to that person because we know that the trial trial and error and the failures that come with any sort of success or, you know, getting good at something. Like we didn't, you know, I think it's like anything in when we were even younger, like, you don't just you're not born being able to play basketball. Like you have to learn how to dribble the ball and like learn, you know, how to use those skills to become better at it, you know? And so that's anything in life. Yeah. yeah,
1: It's hard. It's hard, but you know, you just, you just wake up and just, you keep today in mind. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about yesterday. Just, just do now. Just Mm -hmm. what what can I do right now? And the comparisons are going to happen but you just got to keep keeping your own lane, stay on top of your own shit, and don't worry about anybody else. Just just flow. Just do your thing. Because yep. when, when you improve yourself, you improve others innately yeah. because they're going to see you improving. And you only have to say, hey, look what I'm doing. They're going to say to you, I've been seeing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I get messages all the time, randomly, and people are saying, I've been watching you for years. You know, It's, it's awesome what you're doing. And that, and that feels good because like, just, I'm just doing what I do. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not out here trying to impress anybody, trying to be the smartest, trying to be the fat. I'm just doing what I do. And when that gets recognized, that feels good because I'm just being authentic. I'm just being me. And yeah. that allows me to just live my life.
0: Yeah. Cause I th- I think I, I get that a lot too, where people are like, Oh, I followed you for years. And then like the time comes for them where it's, you know, maybe it's the right moment or they have the, the funds, but they're, you know, like ready to work with you or, yeah. they, or even if it's just like, I really admire and like your advice or your free content has really helped me. I think, you know, do it for those. I mean, there's people out there that I think a lot of times with social media, we're like posting, we're like, no one's really responding or resonating, but I think there always is. And even if it is just that one person, if they're not speaking up, you know, someone is, is resonating or loving the content that you have and finding it useful for their life. Yeah. yeah. A
1: lot of ghost followers that I yeah. <laughs> don't know if you to say or like, but you just get a message from them random. Like, man, I, I can't yeah. tell you how much I love your stuff. And I'm like, what? You yeah. ain't like nothing. <laughs> like, why,
0: don't, why don't you ever tell me this?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. I feel like I learned so much and just, you have a really great story and really beautiful. And I just, I think the message of, you know, movement is so powerful for us and really even just your story of resiliency is so beautiful. And I just, I love how you were saying like, you know, if for you, it was like, if you didn't get back up, you were going to be trampled, you know, literally and figuratively. And so I think that's a beautiful thing to share with other people and just, you know, we all fall down and we got to get back up. And I think even, you know, kind of the times we're, we're living in right now with pandemic and, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, I just think it's like we're, you know, a lot of us feel like we're getting pushed down and being beaten up. And it's like, we got to, we got to push forward and, and um, you know, come together and, and use our voices and our bodies for the good. So I really appreciate you sharing your story.
1: Um, Can I tell one more quick story? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, So you you talked about the pandemic and it reminded me of something, um, kind of bringing it full circle for my life. So when the pandemic hit, I lost a lot of money, Mm -hmm. a lot, along with many other people. Mm -hmm. And like my income got cut more in half, like over 50%. I just, it was just gone. People losing their jobs. I couldn't train people in person. And, you know, that was, that was really scary. I was lucky that I, I learned how to do online coaching. So I, I'm slowly bouncing back financially, but I'll tell you, you know, you wake up and you get all these messages, people canceling and gyms got to close. It's scary. Mm-hmm. It, anxiety creeped, crept in. I had nightmares. You know, I was, I didn't know where this money that I have to pay these bills is going to come from. I, I, have, I have coaches I have to pay, I have, you know, student loans and all, all these, all these bills and all these responsibilities however i i had to circle back and i remembered when i had literally nothing and i i made it you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i know there's a lot of people still hurting out there from from covid and losing so much of their business losing some people literally lost their businesses i had there's a uh, coffee shop down the road from uh, where i live and they're gone yeah it's a close yeah and that's and that's hard to bounce back from um, and I think, I think as long as your belief is strong enough, we can always bounce back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's so true. I'm, I'm learning that too. I'm I'm with you on the business hurting and and yeah. just trying to bounce back and, you know, pivot and, and figure out how to, how to survive. Right. Cause yep. I think at the end of the day, like no one's going to care about you as much as you need to care about yourself and how to 100%. like pull yourself up and um, we're all responsible, you know. our own destinies and i think it's our dreams at the end of the day and so we might have people that care about them but we have to care about them the most to make them happen no doubt yeah so karan how do people find you if they want to work with you try this out i'll share the information like you said about the free free trial if they want to want to do it and test it out but how can people find you online and and possibly work with you
1: yeah. 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 Thank you. So the main way is Instagram. You can DM me, uh, coach chronic C O A C H K R O N I C. That's also my Facebook. Um, I don't really use Twitter, but you can hit me up there too. <laughs> and if you want to just jump straight to email coach chronic at Fit. And yeah, the, uh, I'm going to give Carrie the, the mini series so you guys can try it, but it's, uh, com slash mini series felt exactly how it sounds. And, um, yeah, cool. that's it.
0: I love it. Perfect. And I always end the show, um, asking people what their favorite local spot is. Um, hence the local table, just trying to connect people from all over. Um, remind me where you're at again. You're in uh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So what do you have like a local restaurant or Coffee shop or wherever it is that you, I know, <laughs> um, really love to frequent or hope to frequent again once we're out of quarantine.
1: Yeah, it was Staghorn. Staghorn was my spot. I'm I'm so sad they're gone. They they were such they're such good people, you know. And that was the coffee they, shop. Yeah, okay. yeah, they, they were such good people. I mean, they're still obviously alive, but they're not at the spot yeah. anymore. But if I just think of another place, hmm, another spot that I, I really like. A little coffee shop, um, not far from where, where where I used to go to school at Carnegie Mellon. It's called, I think it's Ada or Ada Coffee okay. House. R- really cool. It seems local. I think it's local. Maybe they're a chain. I don't know. But mm-hmm. they're very homey and you know very warm, very inviting environment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Definitely.
1: Um, Ada Coffee House. Ada Coffee House. Okay. One of my favorite spots in Pittsburgh. Hopefully they're still open.
0: Yeah. Love it. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again for being here. I just, I really appreciate taking the time and uh, meeting you. This was so great. I just, I feel like I learned so much and it was just also really inspiring to me to, you know, keep going in my business. Even I know it's, you know, dark days for people right now and hard times, but I feel like hearing your story and just listening to you push through really inspired me to just keep going and you know move forward with with purpose. So yeah, awesome. thank you so much for being here.
1: You're welcome. Again, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun.
0: And that's today's episode of the local table. Thank you guys so much for being here. I'm truly grateful that you're tuning in. About a year ago, this was just a dream of mine, and now it's so exciting to be here interviewing other people, sharing their stories, and just delivering really great content. I hope you walk away feeling inspired, or maybe you gained a new perspective, or you learned a thing or two. It would honestly mean the world to me if you would be so kind and leave us a positive review if you enjoyed today's show. Again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, and we'll see you next time on The Local Table.